the Buddha in his teaching describes uh, certain stages of awakening, the four stages of awakening, stream entry, uh, once returner, non-returner, and arhant. Arhant is the final stage of awakening, full awakening. Sometimes we might hear this teaching and say, well, this isn't really relevant to me, but really it is. You know, the first stage of awakening is stream entry, and the Buddha says, you're on the path of awakening if you're a stream enterer or striving for stream entry. So we're all striving for awakening. Uh, and actually, as we go through the state, as one goes through those stages of awakening, they experience a letting go of certain attachments. So even from the very beginning in our practice, we're learning to let go of certain attachments known as the fetters. At those stages of awakening, where we fully let go of them, we abandon them completely. So uh, the teaching offers us uh, guideposts, if you will, uh, so that we can understand what we're being asked to let go of and so that we can, in many ways, uh, gauge our practice and understand our practice. In the final stage uh, that uh, one goes through in awakening, uh, as, mo as one moves from the third stage of non-returner to arhant, uh, there's still a few, you know, little, not little, there's a, still a few attachments that one is asked to let go of. Uh, one is uh, the attachment to the states of concentration, which is very interesting because, you know, we talk often about cultivating these states of concentration known as jhana, which include pleasure, and it's often uh, uh, said in, uh, in critique of the effort that we might make to cultivate states of jhana that you have to be careful because you'll become attached to those states. Uh, but the Buddha tells us that we don't actually let go of that attachment to those states until the final stage of awakening. You know, so a little bit of attachment is okay to those states and it's to be expected. Uh, uh, we're gradually transferring attachment from unskillful pleasures uh, to a more skillful pleasure. So I'm not going to talk about that today, but if you want, you can read my book on that very subject. One of the very, very last attachments that one gives up before one becomes fully awakened is the impatience one feels about the moment when they'll become fully awakened. So there's a quality that one has of, I want to get to that final stage, that quality of impatience, or I want to be there and I'm not quite that yet there. And there's that little bit of impatience there. Uh, and that that's, gets in the way of, 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 of reaching that final goal. So we have to let go of that little bit of impatience about getting to where we want to get to before we can finally get there. So I think that's uh, something that we can all identify with, right? You know, these teachings uh, 
uh, offered are, are, are applicable to us wherever we are in our practice. I think we can all identify with how this kind of impatience prevents us from uh, an easeful uh, existence, being in the world in an easeful way, and actually from moving forward and getting to where uh, it's most beneficial for us to get to. So we experience this kind of impatience in our practice, in our practice at different times and in life, you know, wanting to be at some future point, uh, wanting to get to the next thing. I'm here, but I don't want to be here. I want to be over there. And when am I going to get there? And I, and I want to get there now. So when we are able to see that impatience, when we're able to see that impatience and in seeing it and getting some space from it to let go of it, uh, we're able to drop into the present moment. And there's that experience of being awake. Uh, there's that quality of freedom that we experience in the present moment. Because when you want to be in the future, you're not in the present, you know? So in order to come into the present, you have to let go of that impatience, that wanting to be somewhere in the future. So we drop into that present moment when we see impatience and that, that wanting to be in the future and we're able to let go of it to some extent. We drop into the present moment and in the present moment there's that quality of being awake, there's that quality of freedom, and there's an opening of the heart. There's an opening of the heart. When we're in that quality of impatience, there's still a little bit of a blemish on the heart. So this quality of patience is one of the most important qualities for us to cultivate on a spiritual path. It's actually one of the ten paramis. Actually, I wrote another book about that. So there's plenty of source material for you. Uh, so the paramis, the ten paramis, are these qualities that we seek to develop that really serve uh, as foundations for our Dharma practice. Of course, they start with generosity and virtue, and then they move into renunciation, truthfulness, effort, determination, discernment, loving kindness, patience, and equanimity. So these are qualities that when we're on the path, uh, we seek to develop that are going to uh, lead to the development of concentration, the development of discernment, release from suffering, and freedom. So we, we tend to underestimate this. I write about that in the book, The Skill of Living. We tend to underestimate this quality of patience. But I, I always think that, you know, if it's one of the ten paramis, it must be pretty important, you know. And there's only ten, you know. And this and this this makes the top ten, you know. So it must be pretty important. And patience is 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 extraordinarily important in in following the Buddhist path and following any spiritual path, in life. If we learn to cultivate patience. Uh, it will be to our great benefit. Like all of these paramis, uh, 
the development of these paramis is achieved by uh, developing a skill. There's a skill for developing patience, which I'll talk about today. The word in Pali for patience is kanti, K-H-A-N-T-I. Uh, sometimes it's defined as endurance. One of the definitions that I've always liked, uh, which is the actually the definition that I referred to uh, in the book, uh, The Skill of Living, is enduring the disagreeable. Enduring the disagreeable. Life is made of disagreeable experiences. Classically, uh, disagreeable experience, is, there's said to be three categories of disagreeable experience. Other people, or human beings, beings, we can include ourselves in that category, the hardships we experience in life, and uh, dharma practice, which can be disagreeable. These are things that require great patience uh, in, in, uh, in, 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 in our lives uh, as we come uh, across these disagreeable experiences. So, uh, disagreeable experience can be blatantly disagreeable experience, like the pandemic, or it can be more subtle uh, experience, like a line uh, in a store, uh, and certainly uh, elements of our Dharma practice can be challenging and may not be what we want them to be at different times. So when experience is disagreeable, uh, we don't like it, we don't want what we have, we want something else. We want to be somewhere else. I don't like being here, I want to be over there. I want to be over there. I always used to say, you know, my motto in life was anywhere but here. It's like I always wanted to be anywhere except in the moment that I'm in. I think we can all probably identify with that to some extent. You know, we find some aspect of where we are disagreeable in this moment. You may even experience it right now, and I want to be somewhere else. I want to be over there. But of course, disagreeable experience is part of life. When we want to be somewhere else other than where we are when our experience is disagreeable, then we're out of harmony, we're out of tune with life, we're out of tune with the way things are in this human life. This human life is made of disagreeable experience. Most profoundly, the disagreeable experiences that we'll all know uh, in having this human body, the experiences of sickness, age, aging, death, and separation. So when we uh, want to be somewhere else, other than where we are, when we're experiencing that which is disagreeable, we're out of harmony with the way things are, and we experience a quality of dis-ease, dis-ease. And the heart is blocked. The heart is blocked. There's dukkha. We've talked so much over the past weeks and months about how uh, this experience of dukkha, which is sometimes referred to as suffering, uh, you know, what the Buddha is referring to is 
this state in which the heart is blocked. We're prevented from the heart, from our wisdom, from compassion, from loving kindness, from joy. So when we're, we're impatient, when we're experiencing uh, an aversion to the way things are and we want to be somewhere else, there's disease and the heart is blocked. And then, of course, we're in a compromised position because we can't meet our disagreeable experience skillfully. We can't meet difficulty skillfully. We're compromised in our efforts to move forward. We're, we're compromised in our efforts to get to where it is that we want to get to. You know, we want to have goals. We want to have places that we want to get to. That's not the problem. There are, the problem is is our impatience in terms of getting there. So, like many things that we practice with in, in the Dharma, in Dharma practice, uh, we can, can really learn to develop our understanding and our skill uh, in cultivating patience in our meditation practice. Meditation practice is a great place, and specifically in-breath meditation in our daily practice is a great place to practice cultivating patience. Uh, because meditation practice is, and breath meditation, uh, sitting on that proverbial cushion uh, and making an effort to uh, stay with the breath and cultivate the qualities of concentration is often difficult and we often find that experience disagreeable or unpleasant. We experience hindrances. I mean, these are all part of the process. Just like difficulty is part of life, meditation is just this little microcosm of life and we experience these difficulties that we experience in life in meditation. They arise in a pronounced way in meditation in the form, the Buddha said, of the hindrances. We all experience the hindrances. This is why the Buddha had a very specific mindfulness that he asked us to practice in terms of the hindrances. So we experience dullness, or we experience the restless, overactive mind in the meditation. And we're we're impatient with that. We want to be uh, we want to be ridded of the hindrances. We want to be in that place where concentration is blossoming. You know, I want I don't like where I am. I want to be over there. You know, uh, you know. In our practice, you know, we often become impatient with how the concentration is or is not developing. I don't have concentration. I'm not developing those qualities of concentration that I want to develop in the meditation. Uh, and we often become impatient. I don't want to be here. I want to be over there. You know, and that impatience, of course, creates disease. Disease. So, you know, the irony, of course, is that, you know, and I would see this in my own meditation so often, uh, uh, 
You know, we want to cultivate ease. We want to cultivate internal pleasure. We want to cultivate that easeful breath. We want to cultivate that easeful abiding in the body. But, you know, we're having difficulty doing that. You know, we're meeting challenges. We're not there. Uh, and we become impatient. And that just creates more disease. Creates a greater quality of disease. So our practice in developing patience is a very simple practice. You know, like most of these practices, it's very simple, but not so easy. Uh, our practice in developing patience uh, asks that we see impatience. This is how we cultivate patience, by seeing impatience. I've talked about this for years. The way you develop patience is by seeing impatience. The, the, the large challenge of that, uh, I mean, I think in, one of the challenges of it is that there isn't a resolve to see impatience because, uh, for one thing, we don't value patience enough or we conflate impatience with skillful desire. Uh, so, you know, there needs to be a resolve in our practice, of course, to see impatience. Uh, but the real challenge, of course, is seeing it in real time, right? Seeing it in real time. It's one, to say, one thing to say, yeah, you know, I just meditated 45 minutes and it didn't go well and I got really impatient. That's not seeing impatience. That's analyzing your mind in terms of how it was impatient when you were meditating. Seeing impatience is actually seeing it arising in the mind while you're engaging in it, right? So, uh, and it can be subtle, right? Again, it can be subtle. That's why working with impatience, and you know, and it's so ingrained for us. You know, we tend to be very impatient in general, or we tend to be impatient in general. So. Uh, so that's why working with it, like most of these skills, in the meditation is so valuable because at least you're cutting down a lot of your distractions, so it's an ideal laboratory for developing the skill. So our practice is a simple one, you know. I mean, I could, I could see it in the meditation today, right? You know, I was sitting there and, uh, uh, you know, the mind was not as settled down as I would have liked it to have been, and the breath was a little rough, and, you know, there was just that quality of impatience. Oh, I want to be somewhere else. I want to have a little bit more concentration. I want the mind to be a little bit more sad. I really want that ease. I want to get to that place of ease. You know, but I, but I, but I saw it, you know, probably part of the reason why I saw it is I knew that in a few minutes I was going to have to give a talk about it. Uh, but that's... The good fortune of being the teacher. Uh, so I was able to see it in the meditation. Oh, there's impatience. Oh, there's impatience. Can I just be right here where I am? You know, when you do that, there's, there's that little bit of space, and you just, can I just be here? And you know, and that, and that impatient drop. The thing about impatience is if you see it, it'll usually drop away. It'll usually drop away. It's one of those qualities that just bringing mindfulness to will and creating a little bit of space, it'll drop away. And you can just assert, you know, gently just be here. It's like, 
know, we just drop into being here and we're in tune. We're just in tune with the way things are. And there's a sense of ease and a sense of being in harmony. And the heart just opens a little bit. And then of course, what happens? Oh, the breath starts to become more easeful. The body starts to open up. The mind starts to settle down, right? So just seeing the impatience are there. So you don't have to, you don't have to dig into it. Just bringing that simple awareness to it. Oh, there's impatience. The trick again is seeing it in real time, and it's subtle. It's subtle. So I often would notice this, and when I'm in working with, you know, cultivating that easeful breath, as I said. You know, making that effort to cultivate, I gotta get that easeful breath. I gotta get that easeful breath. Damn it. You know, so I've gotta get that easeful breath. And then like, okay, there's impatience. Just be here where you are. And you know, just seeing that impatience. And then all of a sudden, oh, it's right there. You know, but the impatience prevents us from finding, from seeing, from knowing ease. From knowing ease. It's a state of dis-ease. So, of course, you know, we want to learn to see our impatience in our life, in the various experiences of our, you know, of our life, blatant and subtle. So, uh, I didn't put any reflections in the notes, uh, but, you know, a good reflection, and I can just leave it for you, you know, you don't have to think about it now, don't be, you notice your impatience and wanting to think about the reflection now, and how that causes a little bit of agitation, right? But I'll just kind of suggest it for after the class, you know, we can, you can just reflect, you know, where in my life am I impatient? So, you know, that kind of reflection is useful, right? To just kind of reflect where are the areas of my life where I'm impatient and maybe identifying one or two so that when you engender impatience with regard to those experiences or that particular experience in life, you'll be able to notice it in real time. So where are we impatient? Not wanting to be where we are, wanting to be somewhere else. And then of course, seeing that impatience in real time. You know, in some of these experiences, again, the Buddha talked about the blatant and the subtle come under the category of blatant suffering, of blatant impatience, uh, blatant or blatant experiences of life in which we're impatient. I always like to talk about this in terms of uh, uh, my life and where I lived and where I was in my life as I went through the course of my life, you know, when I was a kid, uh, growing up, a teenager, uh, I had a difficult uh, youth, if you will, in my family, and I always wanted, you know, I would always just think about it. It's like getting out of this place. I gotta get out of this house. I gotta get out of my parents' house. I gotta get off to college, you know? That's, that's when I'm going to, and so I, I just I would always think about that, you know, and, you know, when I get to college, I'll be happy, you know, you know, of course I went off to college, you know, and I was, it was good for a while, but then it was like, man, this college sucks, you know, 
It's like, when I get out of college, you know, I'll be happy, you know. And I got out of college, and you know, I moved to the city. I moved to Queens, you know, forty some odd years ago, uh, nineteen eighty, and uh, finally I moved into the city. And you know, it was great for a while, and then it was like, ah, got to get out of Queens. Got to get into Manhattan. Got to get into Manhattan. That's where it is. That's where happiness is. It's not in Queens. It's in Manhattan. And then I got into Manhattan and it was like, you know, of course by then Brooklyn was the place to be. It's like, I gotta get to Brooklyn. I gotta get to Brooklyn. I remember when uh, I, uh, when I moved from Queens to Manhattan, it was almost 30 years ago, I think it was 1994. Uh, and uh, I lived in Queens for a number of years, and uh, you know, finally I moved to Manhattan, to the big city. You know, I always thought it was like it was my Mary Tyler moment, Mary Tyler Moore moment. You know, cultural references that some of you may not be so familiar with, but it was like you know, Mary, you know, on the show moves to Minneapolis, the big city. You know, at the beginning, she takes her hat up, she throws it in the air, and the song, you might just make it after all. You know, it's one of the rare occasions on Sunday morning when I'll sing. You know, but it was just that, that moment of, I made it, I made it to that place where I'm going to be happy. So now, fast forwarding, uh, you know, I, I left, New York, and I moved to Berlin, and a couple of years ago I came back to uh, to New York, and you know, kind of trying to find a place to live, and you know, kind of struggling a little bit to find a uh, an apartment to live in, and I'm back in Queens, and I'm you know, and I'm just down the road from the place that I lived in. You know. 40 some odd years ago, you know? Uh, and it, you know, and it feels very interim, you know, and it's like, ah, I'm right back where I started from, you know, and I gotta get out of here, you know? And, you know, I, I've gotta find a place to live somewhere else where I'll be happy. And, you know, I mean, it's really hard to find, uh, you know, an apartment, an affordable apartment in New York City right now. You know, and uh, you know, there's a, a, a good amount of impatience that arises in my mind. You know, about I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here. You know, I gotta get over there. I've gotta get to another place. Uh, and it's painful. You know, it's painful that wanting to be somewhere else other than where I am. You know, so a while back I said, you know, you've got to really start being mindful of this, you know? You've really got to start watching this, this impatience that's in the mind about, you know, I got to get out of Queens, you know? Of course, it's exacerbated by, you know, the fact that here I am where I was 40 years ago, you know? Uh, so uh, just watching that impatience, you know, seeing it, you know, seeing it when it arises uh, and, uh, Okay, there's that impatience, just seeing it, 
Can I just be here right now in this moment? Just being right here in this moment, in this body, in this heart. And you know what? There's happiness. Who would have thought? Happiness is here, even in Queens. You know, I don't need to go to Manhattan or Brooklyn to be happy. You know? If I can let go of my impatience and just be right here where I am, happiness is right here. Happiness is right here in the moment in the moment. So sometimes it's big experiences like that where we're struggling with impatience. Sometimes it's more subtle experiences. I noticed my impatience, you know, at about 10 minutes to 10 this morning, you know, and oh, the class is going to start in 10 minutes. You know, and I started to feel a little impatient about that. So I noticed that, okay, there's impatience. Can I just be here right where I am in this moment? this body, this heart, right here, right now. In any moment, in any moment, we might experience that subtle movement of, I don't want to be here, I want to be there. I don't want to be here, I want to be there. That subtle movement of impatience in any moment. So seeing that, you may feel it right now. Can I see that? Can I just be here right now? In this moment. This is where happiness is found, in this moment, right now. One of the things I see with myself in working with students over the years is we become impatient with our suffering. You know, we come to Dharma practice because we're suffering, because we're struggling, we're all suffering, we're all struggling to some extent. Uh, we become impatient with our suffering. You know, We come to practice, we want to be rid of our suffering. Uh, we're making an effort to be rid of it, to be freed from it, and we become impatient. So we practice out of a wish to be free from suffering, out of compassion for ourselves, uh, but our efforts can turn less than skillful they can turn less than skillful. They become unskillful. They become imbued with impatience. They become imbued with impatience. So our task is, one of our important tasks in Dharma practice is to see how we're relating to our suffering, to see how we're relating to our pain, to see how we're relating to our aversion and desire, our habitual narratives, and to see uh, in real time, impatience. Is there impatience? And to see that in real time. You know, and you know, seeing impatience, just being here where we are right now. You know, this is what we're asked to do first and foremost when it comes to our suffering, is to, uh, is just to be here, is to be here. It's not to change anything or not to try to get anywhere else. But there's that impatience, I want to be rid of this. So when we're impatient with our suffering, we're out of tune. You know, we're out of tune. We're out of tune with the way things are. We're out of tune with the law of karma. You know, you know which would have us understand, you know, 
that uh, this process of ending suffering is just that. It's a process and that it takes time to change our karma. You know, that's what we're asked to do as Dharma students, to change our karma. We can do that, but that takes time. So when we're impatient with our suffering, we're out of tune with the law of karma. And we increase our suffering. We create more disease. When we do that, when we're impatient with our suffering, we're not able to comprehend suffering. We're not able to comprehend. This is why patience is such an important uh, quality that we are asked to cultivate in the practice. Because we have to be patient with our suffering so that we can comprehend it, which is what we're asked to do in following uh, the teaching on the Four Noble Truths. So when there's patience uh, with uh, our suffering, we come into tune with the truth of the way things are, and we can develop wisdom. And there's a quality of ease. There's a quality of ease. This is the way things are. Uh, there's a quality of joy, because I'm in tune with the way things are. I'm meeting my experience with ease. I can be with my experience. I can be with pain. I can meet my experience with the heart. And there's this quality of patience that we're able to have some space and we know the happiness that's always there. We know the happiness that's always there. We begin to understand that there's suffering and the end of suffering. There's suffering and there's happiness in any moment. There can be suffering and there can be happiness. They're both right there. We don't see that and understand that when we're so focused on our suffering and so impatient to be rid of it, we don't see the happiness and understand the happiness that's always there. There's a saying uh, that I'll end with uh, that the Buddha offered uh, that always sounded kind of good, but I always kind of like, I don't know if I agree with this. Uh, and that saying is, you know, the Dharma is good in the beginning, good in the middle, and good in the end. And I was like, I don't know. Is it really that good in the beginning? You know, there's all that suffering. It's only good at the end when you get rid of all that suffering. When we practice in tune with the Dharma, we know happiness of heart. And we can know this right from the beginning in our practice. We know this right from the beginning in our practice as we begin to connect to the heart. We begin to know the happiness of heart. If we can abandon our unskillful desire, our impatience to be somewhere other than where we are, we can know the happiness of heart right from the beginning. Right from the beginning. You know, I mean, the Buddha supports us in our efforts to know the happiness of the heart right from the beginning by asking us to practice generosity. You know, but as we as we understand, you know, at the beginning we see our suffering, and there's like you know it's that that first moment of of insight, you know, and there's that space and there's a happiness there, you know, but then as we start to kind of apply our trade in the Dharma, we be, start to become impatient, you know, and the heart starts to block off and we cut ourselves off from the happiness of heart. 
We can let go of our impatience and that desire to want to get somewhere other than where we are. We can know the happiness of heart that's always there. It's a happiness that we can only find in the moment that we're in.